Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to the Lottery Podcast on Blue Wire Network. I'm John Wasserman, lead NBA draft writer for Bleacher Report. This week's episode is brought to you by Bet Online and Blue Chew. And we got my guy, David Zenon, back in the pod, trainer to all NBA players, draft prospects, high school, college kids. He gets behind the scenes. He kind of has a really good feel for today's game, uh, what teams are looking for. And I think he's been doing some homework watching film on this year's prospects. First off, David, uh, how's how's workout season going with uh, with Zoom? Not bad. You know, it's pretty interesting. It's, it's obviously not hands-on anymore in terms of training, so you have to be very, very transparent and you know, vocal about what you need your player to do. But so far, so good. It's actually been better than what I thought it would be. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing what, what technology could do. I was talking to a couple of, of prospects just seeing, like, what this process was like with interviews and stuff. And, uh, I mean, they're sitting in front of their screen, these prospects, and they're interviewing with teams um, through Zoom. And, like, there's there could be, like, a, a general manager. Like, the guy I talked to said up to five guys are on the Zoom call, asking him all sorts of questions, you know, the typical questions, but even giving him, like, IQ tests. Um, and so it's, just like, such a weird time and, and – uh, Obviously, to train and to be a trainer through Zoom is weird, but also to be a prospect going through this process. Have you have you been able to talk to any of the guys who are declaring for the draft? Uh, here and there, more so just to check up on them personally, you know, just to see how they're handling the entire process, but also just seeing also if they need anything, you know, right. whether they could find a gym to begin with. <laughs> so yeah, I it's mean, pretty yeah, much it's just been the biggest obstacle to overcome. Yeah, no, and a lot of these kids probably don't have access, you know, they probably don't have access to a court, and it's got to be tough, and particularly at this time, this is like the time where you're training for the draft, and, and it's just not so simple anymore. But anyway, so let's get into some of these prospects. Um, and uh, so I think the, the the big one that stands out early, and, and the one that I bring up, and I think opinions vary like across the board, um, is, is this point guard battle between I'm going to leave off LaMelo ball right now because I think we have LaMelo kind of in a separate tier at the top of the board but then there's this mix of Cole Anthony Tyrese Halliburton and Killian Hayes I don't know how much you've seen of Killian Hayes uh, but I'm a big fan I actually like Hayes better than both Cole and Halliburton but they all kind of bring something a little different to the table is there one of those guys who stands out as somebody you prefer or does it really matter what team is taking him well Killian Hayes is very interesting prospect. You know, he's coming over uh, from overseas, obviously. Uh, he's a strong lefty, though, and I've seen more tape on him. And his ability to create space to get an open shot in the perimeter has actually been more impressive uh, by the tapes, you know, that I've seen lately. But, you know, there's always that, that question. It depends on the team and, you know, how the lottery's, you know, shaking up. Clearly, that's in limbo right now with everything that's going on. But Hayes is, is a very intriguing prospect. Halliburton, you know, 6'5 as well. But his wingspan 
is, you know, I think it's like a seven foot wingspan. You know, mm -hmm. the kid's very, very long, and very, very active. His, his shot's very funky, but it goes in. And he shot at a high clip, you know, for Iowa State. And he's able to create, you know, shots for others. And Cole Anthony, you know, just tremendous athlete. I think the questions in terms of him being able to create for his teammates, though, uh, leave you wanting more seeing you know his ability to do so so you know all three of them as you said bring a lot of different things to the table the best out of the three i would say might be i would say hayes you know he's technically the youngest <laughs> but he's you know just the fact that he's able to create that space and his shot is fluid as a lefty you know it's very very intriguing for me i love yeah, yeah go ahead no i was gonna say hayes is over a year younger than both of those guys but mm -hmm. continue Mm -hmm. So, you know, his upside is, you know, through the roof. Halliburton, at the end of the day, he might have uh, the most, he might have the whole package per se. You know, he's more like, he reminds me of a Sean Livingston type, you know, that, you know, he does a lot of different things. He's, he's more active on defense than people think. And that, that wingspan is very, very uh, intriguing to me as well. So, you know, Overall, if I were, you know, to make the picks, I would say Hayes would be the first out of the group. Uh, I love Halliburton, obviously. You know, if, as I said, it depends on his team uh, that he's chosen by. But, you know, those two catch my eye the most out of the three. Right. So I've talked about this before. Like if Halliburton goes to a good team where he doesn't really have to have such a monster workload, because I think the big question with Halliburton is, can he like blow by guys? Mm -hmm. He doesn't. You mentioned his, his form is really weird. He, he wasn't a big pull up shooter. Um, so he's not like a guy you expect to come into the league and put up 20 points a game. He's more of his value lies with his decision-making, his passing, getting guys involved, making uh, just being an efficient overall player. And, you know, you put him with a guy like Trey Young, and I think that really optimizes him. But then you put him on a team where, like if the Pistons, right, if the Pistons end up taking Halliburton um, and, and they're kind of relying on him to generate a lot of offense, I mean, I think that's when you have some question marks. Um, going back to Hayes, so I think Hayes is – Hayes, to me, is like the potential full package uh, where he, like you said, this year suddenly he's creating space with like footwork and step backs and stuff, and he wasn't doing that in the past. So he took a big step forward there. Um, but at baseline, he's a really good pick-and-roll passer. He's very efficient inside the arc as a finisher, and now the final step is shooting range. You know, if he knocks, if he starts knocking down threes at a 35% clip or whatever, then I think he's the most complete guy, uh, but also 18 years old. And then we keep going back to this team fit. So like... The Knicks are another good example. So, and I know you've, you're connected to the Knicks, and and um, you have a lot of thoughts on who they should take and stuff. So, um, it's possible that all three guys will be on the board when the when the team like the Knicks are on the clock. And the Knicks are still a blank canvas roster. I know RJ is, is solid, and Mitch Robinson is is you know an exciting part of their future. But still, at the end of the day, they don't have any star to to carry the offense. So, what, and that's kind of where Cole Anthony to me somewhat is intriguing because he can generate his own offense. Um, like right away. So is there anybody who stands out as the best fit for this particular Nick roster? Well, man, this coronavirus is hurting us because, you know, that also, you know, we're delaying free agency. Uh, there's, you know, a lot of questions in regards to the rest of the Knicks roster that they're going to put together. But as currently constructed, you know, having RJ as the two, you know, RJ's, you know, having a lot of work done on his jump shot as well. You know, he's had to improve from the free throw line as well as from the three-point line. You know, I'm not questioning his ability to get to the rim. Um, you know, Cole, 
didn't shoot as well as I thought he would from three. Um, and also in terms of just being able to facilitate, of course, UNC was ravaged by injuries. So, you know, that might not be fair to him uh, to assess him in that way. Uh, but I personally think based off of the roster that's currently constructed that Halliburton would be you know, perfect next to uh, RJ uh, Dotson, you know, guys like that. You know, we, we just have to figure out, a, they have a cluster of bigs uh, that are there. The development of Mitchell Robinson with a guy like Halliburton, who you know, is a great pick-and-roll passer. But Hayes has shown a lot of growth in that as well. Uh, just like you mentioned, he's a great pick-and-roll passer. But the one thing that I saw that uh, Halliburton does great, um, he, he throws tremendous hook passes, and he's able to kind of get uh, hockey assists. And I know that Hayes averaged about five assists per game, uh, the, you know, the past season or, you know, and whatnot, but, and, you know, those are just straight catch and shoot, you know, obviously Europe, they can't take an additional dribble, uh, in order to get that assist, but, you know, as, as intriguing as Hayes is and the age and him able to do so, the Knicks, you know, they need somebody that's going to be able to just get these numbers, uh, you know, from the jump. So in terms of assists, and I don't think... Hayes with the rest of that roster would be able to do so. I think it would be more so Halliburton. Yeah, one crazy stat with Halliburton is that he averaged six and five, six point five assists, and his teammates shot twenty two percent on his pick and roll passes to shooters. So like his numbers should have been even higher. He's that good of a passer. Um, but then just there's that still question of like in today's NBA, do you want your your lead NBA ball handler? To, to struggle to, to hit the 20-point mark. And, and he, he reminds me a lot of Lonzo Ball. I've said this a lot, and I think Lonzo is so much better that he's got a guy like Drew, Hall, Drew Holiday next to him to put pressure on, on opponents off the dribble. Um, but then you said RJ is really good at that too, and, and so that's why I'm, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't give the Knicks shit if they took Halliburton top 10, um, even though I do have Hayes as the better all, overall player. Um, Let's talk some some bigs. Like I know you talked about Jalen Smith a lot on Twitter. Love Jaylen, right, Jaylen, so right. So Jalen is he doesn't really get mentioned in the top ten conversation, despite the fact that he has that he has the three ball going and the shot blocking, and that combination in today's league to be able to stretch the floor and protect the rim is really valuable. There's not many guys that can average a three and over a block per game. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. is a guy who's really kind of fitting into that mold and people think of him as like, you know, the next unicorn superstar, but Jalen Smith doesn't get that type of love. Why do you think that is? Well, he played on a Maryland team that, you know, they were ranked, you know, at some point they were pretty, you know, they were ranked pretty high, you know, they kind of fell off, you know, with some losses to Rutgers, I believe. Uh, but, you know, his, uh, you know, he was, a, he was a McDonald's all American, you know, he, he's a very talented player. I think it's just that the system that they had him in and, you know, the vis visibility um, that Maryland had, you know, their guards really weren't able to create more for him, per se. You know, he, he showed a lot in being able to, you know, utilize pick and pop, you know, slipping to the rim as well, the pick and roll. The thing that impressed me the most about him, you know, I watched him a bunch, was his ability to run the floor. I mean, like, he's an elite rim runner, and he has great hands and feet. So not only is he able to, you know, utilize those abilities, but... When he gets a rebound and, you know, he's very active on the boards, I think he averaged like close to six offensive rebounds per game. Uh, I beat the four to six offensive rebounds per game, per, excuse me. And, 
he's just active around the rim. And what you said, you know, he hits a three and a block per game. So he's very, very impressive, but he's able to run the floor. He's got great feet, um, tremendous defender. So he's just one of those players that when you see him, just the eye test, you're like, this kid is, this kid's going to be very, very good. Yeah, he changed his body like a ton. His, his oh, yeah. upper body. Yeah. I mean, his obviously his nickname was Sticks, and it's like silly to even call him that anymore uh, because of how much bigger he got. Um, sorry. Um, so then another. So then Obi Toppin is another guy, a big, a big guy who um, I'd say opinions vary on Obi. Also, at the same time, I wouldn't be shocked if he went top three in this draft. Um, where do you stand on Obi in terms of how high his ceiling could be as a twenty-two-year-old? entering the draft yeah a lot of people have raised that question you know 22 is considered old for the draft it's pretty crazy to, to hear that but you know i was telling a bunch of people when i saw him playing at the nike academy last year uh, out in la that he's his body looked incredible you know he he has you know wide shoulders you know narrow waist he, he's built like a marstodomai yeah. And his game is very similar. You know, he's explosive around the rim. He's a great finisher. thing that I like about him was he improved his jump shot tremendously. You know, just being able to see him play in the Maui Invitational, you know, hit shoot jumpers with confidence. You know, not only just the fact that he was open, but contested jumpers, jumpers off the dribble. And as we said, you know, he's able to finish around the rim. He's great at passing out of the double team. So he does a lot of things that are physically just like, hey, he gets it. You know, defensively, there's some things he can work on. Um, I don't know the schemes that they ran at Dayton too well. I just watched him, per se. But once again, when you see somebody in the eye test and the, the way he's able to move on the floor, Obi's very impressive, and he's a tremendous athlete. So, you know, any team that is going in the top five could use him. I, I see him going by four. You know, I could see him get going by the fourth pick just because – the intangibles that he has, you've heard nothing but great things. And personally knowing him as well, he's a great kid. And I would recommend, you know, any team to truly look at him and uh, he'd be great in the locker room. Yeah, I'm dying for him to go to Golden State. I mean, I think that is such an obvious fit. And we talk, and with Golden State, um, of course, a lot of everyone you know, brings up James Wiseman because, of course, they need that, they have that hole at center. But, um, man, Toppin is such a better fit with his shooting and passing um, and the fact that he's probably a lot more prepared for the NBA, you know, next year than, than Wiseman is. Um, how much how much of Wiseman have you seen? We <laughs> we didn't get to watch a lot of Wiseman at all. Um, I saw but a little bit of you know of clips on him. I'm very yeah, impressed I'm, with him. You know, he's got a big body, seven one. You know, he's strong. Um, you know, I I think that. Unfortunately, the fact that, you know, he wasn't able to play this year, I wanted to see more in terms of how teams were going to adjust and playing him. So, you know, I don't like watching too much of the high school tape for guys that are, you know, that are able to play one year of college because, you know, it's just night and day. Um, but from what I have seen, you know, he's got a good mid-range jumper. Uh, he's a lefty, uh, very strong around the rim. But his development is very important, just like, you know, what you mentioned, you know, a lot of fans think, or want him to go to Golden State, it would be good for him to fit that role or to fill the role for the big. Uh, but the development teams, um, for whatever development staff, excuse me, for whatever team he goes to, is going to be very, very vital for him. So I'm impressed with him. I like him. I haven't been able to watch too much on him. 
but it, what you said, it's very important for the team to pick him to, you know, utilize certain skill sets that he has just physically first, and then hopefully the IQ kicks in because that's a big thing for me. I wanted to see how he would adjust to how teams are going to guard him, whether he could handle, uh, you know, sm you know, smaller guys in front of him, just a lot of things like that. So, you know, that's that's a that's a big question mark for me. Yeah, and that's honestly the biggest question mark I have in terms of can he continue to develop and maximize the potential that's tied to his 7'1", 240 body, 7'6", wingspan, the athleticism. Does he have the – sometimes you just see him out there and, and, uh, and, you know, he just doesn't, like, see things. He doesn't read situations right. He'll fade away when he could, like, easily get himself, you know, a, a little scoop layup or just silly things like that. Not silly things, like important things like that that make me question how much – he gets it, but I, I, I give him a lot of, I give him a lot of crap, and I, I don't want to spend too much time um, criticizing Wiseman. Um, I do think he's still a lottery pick, and and uh, probably just somebody I'd rather have more in the six to you know twelve range as opposed to the top five, particularly with the way the NBA is going. I'm not really buying his shooting, um, and he's not really much of a, a passer, and I don't love the way he moves around the perimeter. But at the same time, he's going to get you easy baskets. He's going to block shots. And he does show some skill within 15 feet with the short jumper um, and, and, and with the post game. So I think in this particular draft, yeah, that's fine if you take him in the late lottery. I just have a tough time with Wiseman um, as a top five pick. Another guy I know that you are pretty high on, and, and so am I, and somebody who I, I'll admit I, I didn't even really hit my radar last year, Sadiq Bey from Villanova. Um, and, and Bay is, man, he really just pops physically 6'8", 215, plays both forward spots, shot 45% from downtown this year. You like the way he's going to translate to the NBA? I do. You know, Sadiq Bay. I was telling a bunch of people <laughs> last year, you know, this is a guy we got to keep an eye on. You know, he's, he's going to be good. And then just his role that he had throughout the season with Villanova even showed more so that, wow, the kid could hit the, the NBA three ball. You know, consistently, his form doesn't change, and he's just a dog. You know, him coming out of the Villanova program, you know that he's going to be um, attention to detail. You know, he's very going to be intricate. You know, the IQ is there. But I saw, I saw natural leadership, and I, you know, six eight, two fifteen, good, good, nice, big body. But he's very, very strong. He's able to handle the ball and create for others as well. I think that was just an underrated thing that uh, wasn't really highlighted with him. Just because when you think of Villanova, especially, you know, this year, it was it was a very, very team-oriented thing going on over there. And they still had a lot of talent, but Sadiq just, you know, popped out. You know, he's just one of those guys that when you look at him, the way that he's able to find his spots on the floor and uh, create for himself and others, I love him, man. You know, he's just one of those kids that I, I think he was a – at first I was trying to say, like, he was more so a diamond in the rough. You know, he might be a great, you know, second-round find. Uh, but I think the more that scouts are going to see uh, just the way that he's able to play and then compare it to other guys that might have been ranked higher when the season started and now they might fall to the second round, he, you know, he might be a first-round pick. You know, he, he might really sneak into that middle-of-the-first uh, scenario just because I believe in him that much. And if you're able to, you know, see the development from those players that come out of that program in Villanova, smart, heady players that can hit open shots, you know, why not? Yeah, I've talked to some MA guys who they bring that up. They're like, oh, he's a Villanova guy. You know, I'm 
I feel safe about about a guy like Sadiq Bey. Um, so that definitely plays a role, I think, in the way teams see him. And also, like you mentioned, he doesn't get talked about for playmaking. He ranked in the 88th percentile as a pick-and-roll ball handler. Like, he could put the ball down and make a play for somebody. And, and uh, for somebody who's primarily going to be used as a spot-up guy, for him to be able to also put it down and, and, and pass on the move, I think that uh, really plays to his value. And somebody who could be a steal if he goes you know, in that uh, probably close to 18 to 23 range, I think, is where he's probably going to get looks. Um, here's a guy that you, you brought him up to me earlier, and I'm glad that you did. I don't know how much you've seen Leandro Balmaro um, since you've talked about him early in the year, but I've, I've watched a lot more of him after the season when we've had so much time during this quarantine. Have you been able to watch Balmaro at all recently? Yeah, I've been watching a lot of uh, tape on him just because I saw him, I, I saw him last year, actually. And uh, the thing about him that really impressed me was I love guards that are able to, you know, obviously you want a guard that's able to create for teammates, but just the way that he was able to create by finding his spot and he's so heady, you know, his IQ is great. And the thing about him that uh, a lot of people, I guess, you know, he's not a, a big time prospect that's coming out of Europe. So a lot of people don't know about him yet, but the kid is, I think the kid about the thing that I like about him was he's able to create, but he, is able to play angles both on offense and defense. And what I mean by that is, you know, usually, you know, when you talk about pick and rolls and pick and pops, you know, guards are going to do the one dribble, you know, pocket pass or one dribble, you know, lead, the, you know, lead their big to the basket or, you know, flare or whatever. But the kid could, you know, rescreen at any point in time. That's how smart he is. And that's how he's able to see the game. You know, he's got to work on his jump shot. Uh, you know, I didn't see anything that was consistent in terms of his outside jump shot that blew me away. But he can hit an open jumper, which, you know, obviously you need to do that in the league. But he's one of those guys that I feel like if he comes into the draft this year, will definitely be a steal in the early second round. You know, I don't think there's enough around him to get him in the first round. If he stays in Europe one more year, though, you're looking at a first round pick. He's that he's that kind of special to me. And he's got great court vision. Uh, very uh, Manu Ginobili-like in terms of his style of play. I think he's, you know, he's Argentinian too. So it's kind of like, you know, it goes hand in hand, man. You know, I love that kid. Yeah, me too. He's, um, yeah, he's been on the radar for me, but I've never really bought in. And then, I don't know, maybe it's just like getting bored, you know, lately and watching just more and more of him. And he could really create off the dribble for a guy his size. And yeah, the big knock really, I guess, is, is his shooting, and he's still in, in Spain's, I guess it's not the highest level of competition, the LEB Silver League, but he knocked down like 1.83s per game. So he has the shot-making ability, and, you know, he's 19. Uh, I'm, somebody I would totally bet on. I would take him in the first round of this year's draft. Yeah, just, he, uh, he he definitely caught my eye last uh, last year. I think it was around like November, December, where you know, I was just – I like to watch a lot of international games um, and tape, and I saw him – and I was like, this kid looks like he's about six, 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 seven, and he's playing the point. <laughs> and then when I watched some more, I was like, oh, yeah, I got to find out who this kid is. And, uh, you know, I saw him and I was just like, I tweeted about him. I was like, hey, you know, DeAndre Bomero, remember the name. He's going to be a diamond in the rough. And I think next year fans are going to see uh, this kid, this diamond in the rough. Yeah, he got some minutes for Barcelona in, in your league. And he, uh, he definitely looks the part. We'll see if he develops. But he's got the... He he's got that that skill set that, that game that screams versatility um, that the NBA coaches are going to love. Um, have you watched any of 
have you watched the Florida State kids, Patrick Williams and Devin, Devin Vassell? Yeah, Devin I've watched. Um, he's pretty high on my list. I think yeah. Devin Devin's pretty high on my list. I haven't been able to watch more more of the you know the rest of the roster, uh, but just watching them play against you know Duke and uh, Virginia, it was just uh, it was I it was eye opening to me how talented that Florida State team was. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Devin Devin caught my eye though. But uh, the the rest of the roster I haven't been done so. But Devin impresses me. You know, he's he's another one that's just one of those kids that, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, he he's got a great body. He's one of those. He's also one of those guys that, just like you highlighted uh, in your your evaluation with him. The thing about Florida State was, or is, excuse me, is that the rest of the team, they they they're so athletic and they're so long. That's like kind of like their staple, you know. But his thing is that he's able to create, you know, pretty uh pretty he created pretty well for like Patrick Williams and guys like that around him, you know. So, I think that that's one of those things that. Uh, teams are going to look at but i got to watch more tape on him to be honest with you a quick shout out to blue chew guys looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds get to bluechew.com bluechew.com is the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level they've got the same active ingredients that are in viagra and cialis so you know they work and since they're chewable they work even faster you can take them anytime day or night even on a full stomach plus you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost, and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order when you use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-CHEW.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. And with currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think that there's nothing to bet on, but you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Go to betonline.ag and use the promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. I have a sell top 10. I mean, I think he's that good. And, and maybe he's not top 10 um, player right now, but I think he will eventually become a top 10 player from this draft based on what I saw from him from his freshman year to his sophomore year. And, you know, at baseline, I think his floor is, is obviously 3 and D, 41% from downtown mm-hmm. both years just a really smart defender and has the body and athleticism to make the plays that his mind sees. Um, and then he just, he became a big time pull-up shooter this year, creating separation and really high release point on a shot. I think he's going to continue to get it off. And it's just one of those guys where I could just picture him adding a little bit to his game each year. Um, kind of like Chris Middleton, who was, a, had a role player reputation out of college and then just added a little bit and became such a good shot maker that he became an all-star. And I'm not predicting that Vassell becomes an all-star, but I think in this draft where teams are going to value floor, like value safety, because they're so it's so tough to identify who the stars are going to be, that it's worth taking Vassell in the top 10 and then just hoping that he continues to make strides and kind of build on the flashes of pull-up scoring and creativity that we saw a little bit this year. Another wing, ACC, um, Elijah Hughes. Syracuse. I don't think he's really gotten much love 
throughout throughout the season. Um, averaged 19 a game this year. Um, talk to me about Elijah Hughes. Elijah Hughes is the epitome of diamond in the rough. <laughs> kid, you know, kid's a score. A tough, tough-minded kid. Another one with an NBA body already. You know, six six. You know, closer to six seven actually. You know, really great athlete. Uh, but he has a knack to score, and he, he's going to find his his way to score. And you know, Syracuse. You know, they they were underwhelming this year. You know, it was kind of interesting to see how much he was able to carry the offensive load without looking like he was struggling to do so. And he didn't really have his uh, efficiency, you know, drop too much, despite the fact that, you know, the rest of the roster around him uh, wasn't playing as well as uh, as we thought they would. So he, he was very impressive this year and he took the leadership role. Obviously, he took, you know, obviously the scoring load, uh, but he improved on his defense. You know, believe it, just believe it or not, just because Syracuse runs his own. Uh, there are little things that he was able to do uh, that showed me about moving his feet and, um, you know, being able to guard guys that, you know, out on the perimeter and doing a pretty good job at it. You know, he hasn't gotten a lot of love, which is surprising to me considering he was the ACC leading scorer. So, you know, it's just interesting uh, to see the fit and the team that he's going to go to. But that's the, that's the most important thing for him. You know, development, uh, you know, defensively, you know, just to see what's going to fit for him down the road. But there's no doubt in my mind that the kid could be a scorer. You know, he's another one that has a great outside shot. And, you know, that one dribble pull-up, uh, he's strong enough to be able to create space, but also, you know, go through plays. So Elijah Hughes is very, very impressive to me. You know, yeah, another he, one of those guys that I like. Yeah, Hughes ranked uh, top five in the in college basketball in, in isolation points, mm-hmm. which uh, was surprising to me, but shows that he can create for himself as well as clearly spot up off the ball. Any other, any other like, second round guys who are probably not going to go in the lottery um, and maybe are not generating the type of love that they should be that stand out to you um, as a sleeper if you were to recommend to any team? Yeah, well, um, also just to go back to your point about Devin uh, Vassell, what I meant in terms of creating plays for others or playmaking, uh, sorry to go back to this, but the thing I was trying to get to was the, uh, the fact that because he's a great three-point shooter, uh, that opens up the floor, obviously, for the rest of his teammates to create as well. But you got on the point about him having the one dribble pull-up uh, but running wide and deep could also help get open shots for his teammates. So just for anybody who's listening and what I meant by that, that's what I meant. I don't necessarily see him being more of a pick-and-roll guy. Uh, but second-round picks, uh, guys that I find that are sleepers. I like Desmond Bain. You know, a lot of people aren't really talking about him too much. Um, I don't know exactly where he's projected to go, you know, whether it's late in the first round or early second. Uh, but he's a guy that he might be, you know, the best three-point shooter uh, in the in the draft this year, you know, just off of numbers, but also, you know, his his ability to uh, create <clears throat> uh, shots off the dribble. You know, he shot like I think it was like forty one or forty two percent from three uh, for TCU this year. So he's very strong. Uh, you know, his athleticism, considering how strong he is, and you know, his build uh, is something you know to be desired, more desired. But I think that he's one of those guys that you know he could be a three and D. He's got Pretty good IQ from what I've seen from TCU so far. So, you know, that's one of those guys that I like uh, quite a bit. Um, Tyler Bay, he's another kid that I've, you know, I had him with Sadiq Bay, ironically, in the second round early in this year. He might be bumped up, you know, just because a lot of guys aren't really looking at him. 
uh, too much, but he played pretty well for Colorado. You know, he's got a long body. I think he's got to put on some size for his uh, for his height. And, um, you know, I, I think that his ability to, to score, man, what's the best way I could put it? You know, he, he, he scores, he, his ability to score is not great. You know, it leaves you, you know, wanting more. But he's he's active, you know, so that kind of you know that just kind of helps for any roster or anybody that's going to be looking to put a guy that's good around the rim for him. Um, Vernon Carey, uh, I see him as a first round pick, but from a lot of people that I've been talking to, uh, they see him more as a second, which is interesting to me. But you know, big, big, strong body, um, man, lefty. He's able to shoot the ball from the perimeter. Um, He's a very heady player. You know, he's, he's able to work with things, work with other players at Duke, uh, you know, obviously being the focal point in the offense. But that kid's got a big, strong frame, man. And if he's able to, you know, play a little bit better defensively in terms of guarding guys off the pick, you know, screens uh, situations, then that would be good. Uh, Trey Jones, uh, Cassius Winston, those two guys, great point guard play. You, you know you're going to get great point guard play from them. And uh, uh, Peyton Pritchard as well, you know. So those three are going to be very, very high IQ players. Their acumen are, are is great. Uh, they, I'd say Peyton's obviously the best shooter out of the three. Um, but in terms of facilitating for their teammates, you know, those three are as good as it gets outside of the guys that are going to go early in the first round. So those are some sleepers for me in the second round. But I really like Cassius just because he reminds me of a guy that is going to have a steady NBA career just because he's going to be able to be tough. Uh, he's going to be vocal. He knows his role. His IQ is through the roof. I haven't seen a lot in terms of what Peyton could do defensively. We all know that Trey Jones is a, is a lockdown defender, a defensive stalwart. So it's going to be very interesting to see how you know all three of those guys adjust, but I could see a role for all three of them in the NBA. Yeah, Winston. So Winston, I have Winston, um, twenty-three years old, of course. So he's probably not going to go high in the draft. He's probably going to go in early in the second round, like you know, a lot of like Jalen Brunson did um, or Devontae Graham. And uh, it's so easy. And I even myself, I I feel guilty. I hate myself for doing. He's thirty-four on my board, and I just like know I'm going to be wrong about that. I'm looking. I looked at some of his his shooting splits. He shot. Winston shot forty-three percent from three, fifty percent on catch and shoots. 42% on pull-ups and 58% off screens. And then, of course, he averaged six assists per game and clearly has intangibles and basketball IQ and all that. Like, he's if he goes to a good team where he could play, like, backup minutes around some good players, like, it's so obvious that he's going to be, I think, an NBA player for a long time. But at the same time, then there's these younger guys. Like, I have Bay and, and um, well, Desmond Bain isn't really much younger, but I, I have him a little bit higher. Trey Jones I have higher, but I could so easily see Winston – being a better player. And then there's, all right, so let's go back to Nico Mannion because early in the, when we first did the podcast, we were talking about Nico as like an option for the Knicks, you know, in the top 10. Yeah. But the narrative has kind of shifted. He kind of got cold. Questions started to pop up about can he get to the basket? Does he have the, the tools to separate and whatnot? Has your take, has your opinion changed on Nico? A little bit. Just watching, uh, just watching him play, you know, he's going to be able to you know, shoot that ball. He's, going to be able to create for others but yeah that separation he's he's an underrated athlete i just feel like the rest of the guards that are in the draft you know off the top you know those those top four point guards that are going to be taken in the draft 
all really good athletes. So, and they're also tall. They're, you know, we're, we're talking six, five and taller. So, you know, it's just very interesting to see where he's going to go. Um, he needs to go to a, a, an organization that uh, is going to be cool with, you know, being patient with him. Um, and he's going to have to, you know, go through the lumps along the way. I like the kid, um, but I wouldn't see him as a lottery pick. Uh, he might sneak into the first round just off of his playmaking alone. You know, he's, his IQ. You know, people had questions, you know, not to say that they're the same player, but, you know, Ty Jerome last year, you know, athletically, he wasn't going to blow anybody off the charts, but he, you know, he's savvy enough to be able to get to his spots and create for others and hit that open shot, you know, as an elite shooter. So, you know, you, you don't know based off of what the teams are going to be looking at. But, yeah, Nico's a very interesting situation, you know. You got to see how the first, you know, 20 picks kind of, you know, fall out and we'll see. Right. Like if I'm a good team, I, I mean, if I'm a, a lottery team, I'm not crazy about Nico. But if I'm a playoff team looking for a backup point guard, then suddenly Nico looks like a value pick to me. It's funny how his he went from like potential lottery pick to now value pick who, who might slip. So um, it's funny how uh, the, the perception and, and his reputation has changed a little bit. What about Tyrell Terry from Stanford? You've watched him? Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> He's tough, but he's going to be a second-round pick uh, just because there, there's a little bit more that he has to work on his game. If he stays another year, that kid is a top five to ten pick. He's that he's that good. And um, But I've watched him. You know, I, I, uh, I've worked out Bryce Wills uh, that plays alongside him at Stanford. So, you know, watching Bryce, obviously I watched Tyrell. Very, you know, the kid's athlete, great athlete. Uh, there's just a little bit that, you know, needs to work with his game in terms of his size, his frame. You know, very, very skinny. Um, but I could, he could be able to hang out in the league. He's going to be able to do so just because he has a great ability to score. You know, he's a tough kid. Just because his frame is slight doesn't mean that he's not tough. But, you know, another year in college could help really develop him in other ways that he's going to be no lottery pick for next year, but he's going to be drafted. And, you know, he's a second round pick and teams. He's another one, you know, a good team that needs a, a kid that they can groom for the future. And they're comfortable with having him on the bench and just using him for that role. Yeah, why not? You know, so he's a very good talent, uh, not a first round pick, but in a couple of years, I wouldn't be surprised if he's making a lot of noise. Yeah. From what I heard, he's going to stay in the draft, I think. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody does reach on him a little bit early. It only takes one team, but um, and I keep going back to a team like the Knicks who have two two picks. And I don't know what they're going to do with the first pick, but if they don't get a point guard at the first pick, he some, seems like a guy at number 27 who jumps out. Um, what about Kyra Lewis? Yeah, that kid. Yeah, he's now he's one of those kids that <laughs> he's one of those kids where, you know, I tell guys, the guys that we don't want at point guard are available for the Knicks or, you know, for whatever team. He's that kid that, you know, at the 27th pick, I would take. You know, I would like him. Uh, I don't know if he's going to last to the 27th pick, but I've seen him play before, and, man, he is explosive. I mean, for for guys at Alabama, uh, for him to be able to create for others at Alabama and then his ability to score, I mean, the, kids, the kid has really good vision, but he's just a tough – you know, tough kid, fast, can, you know, be able to get to the rim. I like him a lot. So, 
he's one of those guys that personally for me, I would take him with that 27th pick in the first round. Yeah, I mean, for a team like the Knicks who have who've had guys like Frank and even Dennis Smith who's kind of lost a step, who, who can't really put pressure on the rim, like Kyra Lewis is so quick. And he's just going to break down defenses. And you know, there are, there's so many clips of him grabbing a defensive rebound and getting an outlet pass and going the, the distance in four seconds and getting you a bucket so fast. Like, that's where his value lies. I don't know... I don't know how much I'm buying his shot um, or his ability to run the offense, but he can, man, he can go. He's fast. He's 19, just turned 19. Um, and then basically as an 18 year old sophomore, he averaged 18, eight, eight, 18, five and five. So I, again, I think he's a safe pick pretty much anywhere. Um, doesn't have like the most spectacular body, but uh, mm-hmm. he's, he's clearly an NBA player. I just can't decide if I think he's a good starting caliber player or more like an Ish Smith who's going to stick around for a long time. He's just, he's going to be able to, he's going to be able to use that speed. Obviously, you know, he could, he's a one man fast break, you know, for the most part, but the Knicks or, you know, the way that the league is, you know, set up now, you know, penetrate and kick is pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if you don't have a good uh, shooter, you know, around him, or guys like that, then, you know, he might struggle at first in terms of getting that mid-range jump shot for him. thing that I saw from him, though, I have seen him create for his teammates in the sense of, you know, the hockey assist. You know, he, he could lead, you know, one pass that leads to the next that might set up, you know, that open shooter that's in the corner. Like, he's, he makes those smart plays. He's not going to blow you away with, you know, thinking – 10 steps ahead, you know, in terms of that, like, a, you know, his vision's not incredible, but it's well enough where I could see him being with a guy where there's a slasher like an RJ or, you know, if there's able any ability with him to run a pick and roll with a Mitchell Robinson, you know, that's a pretty good group, you know, to, to help groom uh, for the Knicks for the future. So, you know, he's one of those guys, yeah, the 27th pick. I would not be upset if the, if the Knicks took him. What about Devon Dotson from Kansas? Ooh. In terms of what, the, the second pick? Yeah, I mean, I assume Dotson's not going to get looks in the lottery, but he kind of kind of is in that same group with Trey Jones as like your, as a point guard in the 15 to 30 range, or probably even maybe in the 30 to 40 range. Yeah, Devon, um, well, you know, he's 6'1", uh, which might be generous. I, I, don't, I haven't been able to see him uh, much. I saw him play against Duke at the Garden, so... You know, Kansas, that that was early in the year. So, but he's he's a he's a very explosive. You know, he's got a quick first step. You know, he finishes in traffic. I mean, he he's been able to have like you know a couple posters here and there, and uh, at the at the basket. The thing that makes me uh, I guess worry about him, his wingspan's pretty small, and his three point shooting is not really good. Uh, it's something where I was just I wanted to see a little bit more. You know, the rest of that Kansas team. You know, especially with um, the bigs that they had, and and um, they could be able to kick out from the double team. Those shots weren't falling for him. So, you know, I think he's closer to like six feet, and a guy that's not going to be able to hit that open shot. You know, it's it's hard for for smaller players to do that in the league. You know, if you're not hitting that open jumper, but you know, he's got a great first step uh, to finish. I just want to see him do a little bit more in terms of. Uh, the assists and also hitting the open jumper. All right, one guy I think we we uh, disagree on is Jaden McDaniels. Are you high on Jaden McDaniels? See, I'm. 
Well, it depends on his motor. <laughs> <laughs> like he's got one of these, he's one of those prospects that when you see him, like, you know what you're getting with Isaiah Stewart, you know, hard worker, you know, mm -hmm. great body. You know, he's one of those kids that, you know, he seems like he's going to be a consummate professional. Uh, McDaniels, the motor, you know, it's always a question and you, you, you see it, you know, you're like 6'10", jumps to the rules, you know, good body. You know, but sometimes, you know, he's a little bit out there. And sometimes, you know, you could see certain plays where you're like, well, he could have finished it this way or he could have been able to do help side. You know, there's just little things that he does that you're like, eh. Now, we don't know if that's because of the fact that he's in college and he's kind of waiting until he goes pro to go hard or whatever. But, you know, that's one of those things where I think teams are going to look at it and say, is this something that we, we want to do? You, know, you can't really, you know, you know the saying, you can't teach effort, but motor is the biggest question with him everything else that kid if he had a if he had a high motor uh, a Jalen Smith motor that you're talking about a top you know three to five pick just off of upside and athleticism alone but once yeah, I, again yeah. I, I, I entered the season think you know he was top 10 on my board and I even knew the concerns and I've I've been to his high school games and I'd watch him like in warm-ups with my mouth on the floor and then the game would happen and then I'd start to question like how legitimate it is uh, the, the talent wise, but yeah, of course, you know, six, he reminds me of Perry Jones and like, mm. and, and, and obviously there are differences, but Kevin Knox, it's where like, you love the idea of Jaden McDaniels, but I just don't think he's going to put it together. I just don't think he has, he's like wired to, to convert all this talent and skill into impact and consistency. Yeah, I would, I would, Hey, look, if he does, you know, that's going to make a GM look very smart. <laughs> but he's he's just one of those players that I would like to see more in terms of the motor. If he's able to do so, and, you know, who's to say that, you know, not that I'm, you know, going to say that they would do that, but like a team like, you know, the Spurs or, you know, a team that's established with a certain culture. And, you know, this is how we're going to do things in terms of the effort and what we need you to do as a player you know, hey, you know, the, the, the light switch might turn on and, you know, you're going to get a different player and you're going to get a star. So it's just about the fit because, man, I saw them play early in the season and I was very, very, very impressed. But then the more I watched them up until uh, conference play, I was, I was a little bit, I was getting a little bit concerned with him. Yeah, I mean, the fact he's six foot nine and he shot 40% from the floor and averaged over three turnovers per game. I mean, he's got power forward size, but he plays like, uh, you know, uh, like a streak shooting two guard. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't know. I, I just I, I could see the draw to him, but I'd certainly rather have somebody else take him. Um, let, let's close on. We've, I think we've covered a lot of guys. Let's close on one guy who I'm guessing, if I remember, that you're not so high on or you're not convinced yet. Denny Avdia, the Israeli combo forward who is going to get top five looks probably might end up going more in the five to 10 range, but he's considered in the top two tiers of this draft. What are your thoughts on Denny? I was telling man. So I tweeted about him because a lot of Knicks fans were saying that they wanted him. And I was saying that's a guy that I wouldn't take with, you know, the top five pick, you know, or top 10 pick. If we, you know, if the Knicks were happen to have that pick. The reason why I say that is just the way that the roster is currently constructed. He has to go to a team that is going to 
basically let him have one role, one role only. You know, he has to be able to develop a lot. And what I mean by that is, yes, he can make plays, but he's not making plays at a consistent basis at the next level. Almost like, like when Luca came over and the questions that they had about him, where it's like, well, he doesn't have the speed or he doesn't have this. Well, Luca has his spots on the floor, but Luca also has counters. Then he doesn't really show me a lot in terms of you know having a counter or having a second uh, secondhand move. He does a lot of DHOs in terms of getting himself out of trouble. His outside jump shot is something that is desired, you know, leaves some, you know, something to be desired. So he's he's going to be a good player. He's not going to be a superstar, in my opinion. I just don't see it because there were there wasn't anything that made me say, "Whoa, okay, this kid." Even though he might be limited in a certain offensive abilities, he has his spots and he has that go-to. I didn't see it defensively. I haven't been able to watch enough tape of him defensively to tell you that whether you know he's he's a good you know help side defender or he's a bad defender i i really couldn't tell you so i'm not going to put that out there but from what i've seen and how he moves on the offensive end he's not one of those kids that i would you know take on a roster that's going to be uh reconstructing now if it's a contender or if it's a team you know like like the hawks would be great for him mm-hmm. just because you have guys like trey um that could break defenses down that could help spread the floor, you know, that will allow him to have easier shots. But then if you, as I said, if you take him to the Knicks, there isn't a guy like that to help him, you know, a get shots to put him in a rhythm to help him, you know, expand his offensive game. There isn't. So it really depends on the fit. This draft is one of those drafts that it it doesn't blow you away uh, in terms of the talent that's coming in there. But, they're all they all seem to be steady players, but Denny's one of those guys where it's like that's a big question mark for me. Yeah, no, Denny's gonna go high. And I've kind of my opinion has kind of shifted towards that, to, towards what you said. And originally to start the season, coming off the U twenty European championships when he won MVP, I got excited. I thought he had a little more star potential and then and then he I watched him more in, in Euroleague and the Israeli league and now I'm kinda of back down to earth of him being a good role player. And I think the fact that I think he's got a high floor because he's six eight. He's got real a lot of experience um, in, in competitive leagues overseas. He's got a good head on his shoulders. He's pretty well rounded. He just doesn't have that one specialty. And like you said, he doesn't have those counter moves. He's not like a, a go-to type player, and he hasn't really shot well enough off the ball to be confident that he could be a knockdown shooter. Um, but I, yeah, I see a high floor. I see an NBA player, um, and and if he goes to a right team. Sure, he's going to be fine. But yeah, if I'm a team rebuilding, looking for like a, a cornerstone that I can bank on for the next five years, he's probably not going to be my choice. So yeah, I'm, I've 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 cooled off on Danny a little bit. Um, I think we've t- covered a lot. anybody Anybody come to mind that we didn't cover that you want to bring up? Um, man, I was looking at well, I mean, we talked about Anthony Edwards early in the year. Isaac Okoro from Auburn. Sure. You know, I love I love the fact that his frame, you know, he's got a great body. He's very, very uh his legs like are very powerful. You can tell like just by looking at his thighs, his his glutes, his calves, like you can tell he's a he's a powerful player. Um his his ability to play at the next level, you know, he's one of those guys that, you know, he could be a smaller, like power forward type. Mm-hmm. Um so I like him a lot. He he seems to be more versatile than what people think. 
And um, another guy, you know, we didn't get to talk about was uh, Precious. Uh, Precious is one of those guys where he's not going to be like a superstar, but his athleticism, his superstar level, if that makes sense. You know, so his his ability to, you know, run the floor, his motor's high. You know, he's able to get, you know, a lot of baskets, rim running, and he finishes. He, you know, he's a great rebounder. Uh, but he, the thing I think that's going to keep him in the league uh, consistently, and as I said, I don't see him being like a superstar, but he's going to be one of those players that uh, will be coveted because uh, he's a versatile defender. So, you know, those two guys, I think, uh, should be highlighted a little bit more. Teams should take, you know, a little bit more of a look. They're going to go in the first round, uh, obviously. Uh, but I think that, oh, in my opinion, I think so. A lot of people that I've spoken to, they think Precious might have slipped into the second uh, just because, you know, his, his uh, excuse me, his ability to score. Uh, some people were saying, like, they, they needed to see more. I don't know what that means, but I could see him just saying, like, listen, he had hard time getting assists. I, I believe that, but he's, a, you know, a good scorer, a good, great athlete. I don't see what the problem is. But, hey, those two guys, I think uh, they might either slip, you know, further down in the draft <laughs> towards, well, Precious Wood. Isaac, I think, is no, no doubt, in my opinion, a lottery pick. I love that kid. Yeah, I've had at one point in the year I had Okoro top three just because I and this is again at, at a time when it was like there is no stars in this draft. I just I just I'm so confident Okoro is going to be a, a valuable role player in the league, and, and so I valued him extra high in this draft. Precious. So here's the thing with Precious, and I don't want to spend too much time. We'll uh, we'll get off here, but um, yeah, obviously his body is phenomenal, and and his motor and athleticism. Um, skill wise and just basketball IQ wise, I just think he's it's it's too low. Twenty ninth percentile in post ups, twenty third percentile in spot ups, thirty ninth percentile isolation, forty seventh percentile in cuts, thirteen of forty from downtown, sixty percent from the free throw line, thirty assists to eighty seven turnovers. I know the stats are just numbers, and he's he's young, so uh, I just don't think he has the highest skill level um, or feel for the game mm-hmm. to to be a. a to be a high-level starting caliber player, but in the right role where his job is to crash the glass or on the floor, second-chance points, you know, fly around defensively. I think that's where, where he could be a steal in this draft. But, you know, he's got to really go, I think, to the right team that allows him to play at his strengths. Um, I think we're good. I mean, yeah, you mentioned Anthony Edwards. I, 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 the only reason I didn't bring him up is because I talk about him. Oh, yeah, we talked about him earlier. I was just, you know, early in the year. You know, no matter what, you know, he's, one or two. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. He's that's a no brainer. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna be a top two pick and he's going to be a twenty plus score in the NBA. I think the question is, are those twenty five points a game that he's gonna average gonna to translate to wins and good team efficiency, or is it gonna be empty stats? You know, I think that's really the big do you have any I, I keep saying we're gonna hang up, but do you have any thoughts on, on like do you have any question marks with Edwards' style of play or his approach to the game? No, I mean, well, yeah, just like what you said, efficiency is a lot, you know. Kid's going to be a 20-point scorer, yeah, but it depends whether they translate to wins or not, just like what you said. But uh, the the thing that I want to see is he's he takes takes and makes a lot of bad shots. Right. And, you know, in college that might work, uh, but, you know, obviously in the NBA it's a different animal. And, yes, like, you know, you may hit the occasional shot here and there, now the question is: You playing off of your point guard 
that's giving you the ball to be put in those situations to make those shots. Are you able to do that consistently in which we're going to have longer, stronger defenders on you? I'm not saying that he's not able to. That's just where those bad shots you normally would take. Let's, you know, let's see if he's able to do the same thing in the league. I don't, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. <laughs> you know, you want a guy that's going to be efficient. Um, if he could score, you know, 22 points per game, you know, consistently, yeah, sure. You know, he might be even higher. But listen, man, uh, you can only go so far if you shoot, you know, nine for 25, you know, all the time. You know what I mean? So. It is what it is. You know, you just got to see how he's able to play off his teammates. Yep. Wise words from David Zidane, NBA trainer, high school trainer, college trainer. Uh, follow him at Twitter, David Zidane one My man, thanks for coming on. I appreciate uh, you nah, making Thank you return. for having me, my man. Thank you very much. All right, buddy. We'll be in touch. Yes, sir.